I want to talk to you about the concept of divine strength today. Paul the Apostle, again, wrote the book of Philippians. He was born again. He came to Christ in 34 AD, about four years after the death of Christ. Fifteen years after that, in about 49 AD, he planted the church at Philippi. Philippi, the region of Macedonia, he went there and he started preaching Christ. People got saved and he planted a church. Eleven years after that, he's in a Roman jail cell. And he's actually attached to an elite Roman soldier. It's called the Praetorian League. They were kind of the ones that were selected to, to protect the emperors. I mean, this was a high-level uh, group that was protecting Paul the Apostle. And he writes back to that church that he planted 11 years before. 34 A.D. came to Christ. 49 A.D. He planted the church at Philippi. 60 A.D. He writes a letter going back to that church to encourage them of how to walk in the joy of the Lord, the strength of God, and how to do life God's way. If there's anybody qualified to talk about strength, it's the Apostle Paul. Now, again, I know immediately that concept always conjures up ideas of human strength. As a matter of fact, one more story. This summer, my wife told me, she goes, you know, you need a trainer. We, we, we We need to get a trainer. And so I thought, I don't need a trainer. I could be a trainer. But anyway, so it's a little prideful. We talk about that next week on humility. But anyway... So, so we got a trainer. I, so literally, we walked in. Um, it's in July. We get this, this trainer. And so I would tell her over the years, so I could train you. I know what to do. You know. Now, when I grew up in high school in the 80s, here's what we did. Bench press, squat, deadlift, curls. Talk about core. I didn't even know what people were talking about core. Here's what core was. Sit-ups. That's it. We didn't even understand all that. Well, now, so I get this trainer, and, and so, of course, I've been working out for 30 years, and so what would that mean? I go on machines, kind of read my, you know, my phone a little bit, walk around, you feel good. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's like we did it. We worked out. I went to this trainer. I did things, you know. We did eight exercises a day. I was so sore the week afterwards. I, I was sore in muscles. I didn't even know that were in my body. It's funny, I kind of got a little momentum about a month later, a little 15-year-old kid came in, you know, I was doing weight, and so then he came behind me, he kind of upped the weight, and so then I upped the weight, and he upped the weight, I upped the weight, basically I surrendered, he won, but anyway, so, it's amazing when you think of strength, immediately you think of human strength, muscles, but you don't get strong physically by going to the gym, walking around, talking to people, and just drinking protein shakes. You actually have to do something. And when you do something, you actually have to put weight on the bar. And when you put weight on the bar, all those of you that remember biology or physiology or whatever, there's actually little micro tears in your muscles. In other words, your muscles have to feel resistance and and in a sense have to break down in order to build up muscle. In other words, you won't get strong without putting on weight on the bar. If you just walk around and drink protein shakes and don't do, if you don't put weight on the bar, your muscles stay the same. In the same way, in life, as we walk with God, if you don't, if you don't understand that in order to grow your faith, there's got to be some weight put on the bar. And, and if you begin to understand and see life differently, if you see trials and temptations and tribulations, watch this, and adversity as obstacles, if you always say, man, I'm under it, rather as an opportunity to grow 
Everything changes with how you see life. How do you see the problems in your life? How do you see the challenges in your life? How do you see the adversities in your life? If you see them as obstacles, oh man, I'm under it, man, I'm defeated. Or, or, oh, this is an opportunity. What is the opportunity? It's an opportunity to grow my faith muscles. In other words, that trial, that temptation, that trouble, can I tell you what it is? It's actually just putting another 45 on the bar to grow your faith muscles. You have everything you need on the inside of you as a Christian. The problem is sometimes we're just spiritually weak and underdeveloped in our faith muscles. I want to teach you because Paul the Apostle teaches us how to grow. Everyone say grow. You can grow your faith muscles. We don't first change our circumstances. We first change. And then we have the wisdom to address our circumstances. Paul the Apostle is teaching the church at Philippi the power of this. I don't know why we are so kind of thrown off when we deal with troubles. Jesus said they're going to come. The T words, the trouble, the trial, the temptation, the tribulations. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to experience things. As Christians, you're, by the way, we're not exempt from trials, but we have the power of God to navigate through those trials. We have the power of God to have wisdom to be able to handle those. In this world, you're going to have trials. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. A lot of times people go through trials. They go through temptations and troubles. And they think God's punishing them. Let me help you have a perspective shift. God's not punishing you when you go through a trial. Watch this. God is allowing you to grow through that trial. You gotta, I'm not suggesting everything in the world God sends. Listen, let me help everybody. Here's a memo from, listen, from heaven to earth. We live in a broken, fallen cosmos, and there's a real devil that hates you. But God's given you the authority in Jesus Christ to, watch this, to take authority over the enemy and have wisdom to be able to navigate through bad circumstances. How many are grateful that God gives us the strength to walk through that life? So I'm not up here in any way. Listen, I'm not looking for problems. I'm not believing for problems. But when they do come, we have the power to navigate through those problems and to grow. It's all in your mindset. My prayer for you as your pastor is that in 2024, watch this, is that you would shift. Everyone say shift. And you would no longer see that problem as an obstacle. And you would now see it as an opportunity to grow. When we respond appropriately to trials and tribulations, we grow. One of the things my trainer told me, he said, Steve, part of the problem is that you're working out wrong. You can actually get hurt when you work out incorrectly. How you lift things, how we respond spiritually to life's challenges. We've got to respond. There's a way not to respond, and there's a way to respond. Let me give you four ways to respond biblically to adversity, right out of Philippians chapter one. Are y'all ready to jump into this? Say yes. Here we go. Four things. If you're taking notes, if you're downloading our app, you can follow along in version. Let me give you four ways that Paul the apostle would teach us how to respond to adversity. Number one, be positive. Philippians chapter one, verse 12. I'm going to go verse by verse and we're going to deal with a lot of chapter one, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me, remember he's in a jail cell, 60 A.D., 60-61, the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. 
You talk about a guy that had a, watch this, had a perspective shift. The things that have happened to me, this obstacle, this trial, it's actually turned out for the furthest. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you why. Because he realized now he can actually write letters to help a church. In other words, he never saw the glass half empty. He always saw it half full. How do you see life? First time something happens in your life, in your marriage, in your family, do you see it as an opportunity to grow or as an obstacle that's going to defeat you? Paul said the things that have happened to me have actually turned out. Everyone say turned out. They've actually turned out. There's the switch for the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, here's what he said. There's actually purpose in my pain. How many times does pain harden us rather than pain softening us? He said there's purpose in my pain. There's purpose. I, I, I'm, in, I'm in a jail cell, but there's purpose. I, I've actually turned out for the furtherance of the God. In other words, you couldn't get this guy to go negative or critical. How often does our mindset go negative, critical? It won't happen. It can happen. I'm going to be defeated. I'll never move on for this. I'll never be healed. I'll never be well. I'll never be strong in God. That's a lie. Paul said, the thing that happened to me is actually turned out for the furthest. In other words, it's actually aided the propagation of the gospel. Boy, you talk about a shift. Anyway, can I tell you, you have the attended emotions attached to a mental shift. When your mindset shifts, all of a sudden you start feeling peace. You start feeling joy. How do you respond to adversity? What happens to you? Wonder and question God. I'm going to help everybody in 2024. Many of you need to move off of the island of why, take a ferry, and get on the island of what now. That was good preaching just now. I've been doing this a, a long time. I sound like an old preacher. I kind of am. But anyway, I'm, not, I'm no longer going to spend energy in philosophical conundrums of why. Let me tell you why. There's a real devil. He hates you, and life's hard. They just interpret all the stuff that you've gone through. Life's hard. There's a real devil. But, but I'm going to get off of that. I'm going to take a ferry. I'm going to get on the island of what now? What now? How do I respond now? What is God saying now? Where am I going now? In other words, I'm you can stay locked up in why forever. You better get on what now. Can you imagine Paul Owen over here? What is Peter doing right now? He's always, you know, you know, he says all kinds of things and he doesn't get disciplined like I get disciplined. And I'm in jail. Is Peter in jail? Peter's over there with the Italians hanging out. And what am I doing? Why, 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 why? What happened to my husband? What happened to my wife? And what about my kids? And what about, and they didn't make honor all. In other words, you better get off a of why and you better get on a what now, God? What do you have for my life now? What is your calling for my life now? I'm not spending time over there. I'm not, my mindset shifts real quick at this point. I'm like, nope, not doing that. Let's do, what is God saying now? And one day when I get to heaven, I've got a notebook. I'll ask all those questions. <laughs> why does that, why do, nope, I'm not, because that'll lock you up emotionally, paralyze you, immobilize you. Murmuring, complaining, losing control of our thoughts, our emotions, becoming discouraged and despondent. There's nothing wrong being discouraged. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. Nothing wrong with going, nothing wrong with it being discouraged. But don't stay there. Read the book of Psalms. David processed all that to God, and then he moved on. Number one, everyone say, be positive. Can you honestly say that the things that have happened to you have turned out for the furtherance 
the furtherance. In other words, let your test be a testimony. Let your mess become a miracle in the hands of God. You got to see it differently. Number two, live purposeful. Live purposeful so that it has become evident. Paul said to the whole palace guard, that's called the elite praetorian guard. The praetorian guard, those that were assigned to protect Paul or to keep him, actually had responsibilities like the Navy SEALs. They were like the green bread. They were like the top. They, they protected the emperor. They, they, and and they, those were those that are assigned to Paul. <clears throat> By the way, he started leading them all to Christ. Be careful if you're chained to Paul, <laughs> if you're an atheist. By the way, we ought to say that about us. Be careful being chained to me. Be careful being chained to you. Why? Because you're going to share Christ. Right in the middle of your storm, right in the middle of your test. You're, there's a testimony somewhere in that thing. Be, be, be careful, devil. Be careful. <laughs> you should say that. That my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains. In other words, in other words, the brethren in the Lord in Philippi and all these places where he went and he preached, guess what? They heard, they heard about Paul. And they heard that Paul's faith was actually growing in jail and it emboldened their faith. Don't ever think that your decisions are not consequential in the life of somebody else, both for the good and for the bad. You can build others' faith by how you respond to adversity. Yeah. Having become confident by my chains is much more bold to speak the word without fear. They're getting bold. Paul can do it. We can do it. Some of these preach Christ from envy and strife. Some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition. There's people with bad motives out there. By the way, there's always been bad motives out there. Not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. That's what I'm doing. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. What was Paul saying? Paul is saying, it doesn't matter if I'm in jail or out of jail, I'm going to preach Christ. What is he saying? I'm not getting off my mission. I'm not going to deviate from my mission. What was his mission? To spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what the purpose of adversity is? It's to get you off course. Let me tell you what the devil's doing. The devil's in one corner. Ah, that adversity. Aha, give in. Where's your God now? Here's what God's doing. Draw close to me. I'll strengthen you. Grow your faith muscles. And guess what? You'll be an overcomer and inspire others. Same obstacle, different perspective. Everyone say, same obstacle. <laughs> same obstacle. How do you see it? Do you see it as an opportunity to grow your faith muscles? Or do you see it, this is going to take me out the race? The devil wants to take you out. God wants to set you up. Set you up for what? Set you up for success. Set you up for a comeback. Set you up for a miracle. God is always setting us up for good things. The enemy wants to take us out with bad things. Which voice are you listening to? Paul said, hey, listen. They said, I'm getting more bold. By the way, Paul never saw himself enchained in chains from Rome. He saw himself chained to Christ and Christ's purpose for his life. There's a big difference. Paul spread the gospel throughout the Praetorian Guard, the leader of the Roman army, many of which got saved. He remained true to the call of God in his life, regardless of his circumstances. God is... God's hand is upon your life. Every single one of you. I'm not talking about just the priest, the preacher, the clergy, the reverend. No, God's hand's upon your life. 
God's calling upon your life. Get back on purpose. Stay in your purpose. Don't let adversity knock you off a of purpose. Some of you have had a broken relationship. You've had a broken dream. Get back on purpose. Get back in your purpose. God's got a call. Don't let failure, financial loss, rejection, breakdowns, loss of a loved one, and prison. Don't let anything get you off of your purpose. Maybe you're single in here. You thought, you know what? I was dating this great Christian guy, this great Christian gal, and she's loved God and didn't work out the way you thought. And now you're, now you're, now you're being tempted to compromise your values. Get back on purpose. Just because something didn't work out, doesn't it's not the end. You still have a pulse, which means you still have a purpose. You're still breathing. Get back on your purpose. Don't compromise your values. Some of you guys in business, some of you ladies, some of you men, didn't work out the way that you thought. Guess what? Get back on the horse and ride it. Get back up and get in your purpose. Don't compromise your values. Don't compromise your convictions. Don't compromise. Plug into purpose. Paul said, Paul said, I've gotten bold and I'm helping other people. I'm committed to my purpose. Number one, be positive. Number two, live in your purpose. Look at number three, maintain perspective. I'm just going verse by verse. Philippians chapter one, verse 19. For this I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He wasn't ashamed to ask for prayer. He said, guys, pray for me. Because when this is accomplished, guess what? When that purpose is done, Guess what? When I've finished writing these letters, God put me here for a reason. Look at how he saw. Look at how he saw his life. God allowed this. The devil thought he was shutting me up, but he really gave me a platform to be able to get time to write, to be able to help the churches. Last week, I was with my son, and uh, we went. We were going to a ministry deal, and, and we were as the turbulence last Monday. And... And we took off, and they said, you know, nobody, you know, the flight attendants are not going to be able to get up. You know, it, you know, there's a lot of turbulence. It was really bad. And, and so he, he looked at me. I said, I said, don't worry. If we make it up, we're good. Don't, don't worry about it. We, it's, a, it's a takeoffs, landings. Everything else is good. Just, 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 just pray. We're good. We're good, you know. So we get up there, and I've flown a lot. And we dropped, I would say, 1,000 to 2,000 feet, probably about 30. It went, whoom, like that. Of course, he looks at me. I go, don't worry. I'm not finished my purpose. <laughs> you may think that's arrogant. I really believe that. You better believe that. You better believe that about you. He looked at me. He goes, I was hoping you say that. I was hoping you said that. The lady sitting next to it, she's holding up the airplane, you know. <laughs> she was like, I'm like, you're doing a good job. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> I want to minister to, to somebody here. The devil has thrown everything he can at you. Listen, but you're still here because God still has a purpose for your life. God still has a purpose for your life. The problem is, the problem is you think people are the problem. The devil's the problem. And circumstances have been designed to try to take you out, but you're still here. Have a shift. Have a shift. Number three, maintain perspective. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing, everyone say nothing, and nothing I shall be ashamed. With all boldness as always, so also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death. For to me to live is Christ... But to die is gain. You talk about somebody that had an eternal perspective. 
Talk about living in light of eternity. For I know, for if I live on in the flesh, that this will mean fruit for my labor. I know if I'm here, God's called me to plant churches, to write letters, to instruct churches, to help people. Yet, I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I'm hard-pressed between the two. In other words, I'd love to go to heaven even right now. But I'm not done my purpose. That's what he says. For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, to be with Christ, which is far better. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be in a place where there's no more sin, there's no more sorrow, there's no more shame. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. In other words, I'm not done my purpose. And by the way, in my purpose, it includes me helping you. You got to see this. And being confident in this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of your faith. That in rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. In other words, Paul understood this. Please don't miss this point. He understood this. That when there's hope for the future, there's actually power in the present. For the Christian. For the Christian, this is not our home. We enjoy it. We steward it. We steward our bodies. We steward our relationships. We steward resources. We appropriately steward God's creation. But can I tell you something? This is temporary. How many of y'all remember when you were 12 years old playing recreation sports when your coach was 40 and that was an old dude? How many of y'all remember when you became an old dude? This thing is happening fast. Young people, let me tell you, you don't have to wait until you're 40 or 50, get the devil beating you up and finally come to God and get things right. You can do it at 15, 16, 17, 18. You can live for God now, by the way. There are people living for Christ as preteens, as young kids. You don't have to deviate. Go back, be a prodigal. Just stay true to God. Paul said, he's really, he's really, I mean, you talk about in a conundrum. He's like, he's like, oh gosh, oh man, he's grappling with this. Do I, do I, do I, 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 I want to go to heaven because it's awesome and the streets of God and the presence of God and there's no more sin, there's no more shame. But, but I got to stay here because, because it's more needful for you right now. By the way, other people, I want everybody to watch me, every location, other people need you to fulfill your purpose They're locked up in sin and they're waiting for you to become the man, the woman that God's created you to be because your, watch this, you coming into your purpose is tied in into them getting set free as well. You gotta see this. But for the Christian, when you see eternity, when you see what God has created for us, when, when you understand heaven, ultimately for the believer, Revelation 20, one, four, and God will wipe away every tear from my eyes, from their eyes, and there should be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. I, I have had in the last week five people text me about loved ones dying. Five. That's like very compressed. And my response, of course, I'm very sorry about that. Man, I know that's painful. And I, and I happen to know they were all believers. I said, but here's the good news. They just beat us up there. How many are grateful that we're going to another place, a better place as a Christian, as a believer? 
John the Revelator said, no more crying, no more dying, no more sighing. There'll be no more pain there. And there's something about, there's something, please, Christian, please, please, people of God, we, we cannot lose sight. And yes, we steward our lives. And yes, we plan for the future and all that. And yes, there's an appropriate right. About, but, but, but I'm telling you, this is temporary. It's temporary. Uh, there was a pastor, actually, I mean, he was just an incredible leader. His name is Wayne Myers. I've talked to him, to you guys about before. And Wayne told us this. I remember I was in Bible school. He, he had a thousand churches he started in Mexico. And I remember him saying, he said, every now and then when my heart falls too much in love with the world, he says, I get little stickies and I put the word temporary. And I put the word temporary and I tape that to my to my TV, I, I, I put that on my chest or drawer, I put that on my car. In other words, in other words, in other words, in other words, he's got to rem- remind himself that, 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 that we're just passing through this life. The word pilgrim means sojourner. It means one passing through. Pilgrim didn't start in the 1600s in, in Massachusetts. It actually started in the Bible where we heard the word sojourner. Everybody say sojourner. In other words, we're, we're, we're on a journey and earth is, is, is not our home. Can I tell you, heaven's our home. Some of you, some of you, and I want to say this very respectfully as a pastor, you're too in love with the world. You love it. You can enjoy it, but you don't love it. You should love Christ. That's who your love should be. Your love is for Christ. I love you, God, and I'm going to spend eternity. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said his main prayer was, God, burn eternity on my eyeballs. Question, do you live in light of eternity? Let me give you the fourth and final thing. Y'all learn anything? Is this helping anybody? Number one, number one, Paul would say, be positive. Choose half full. Choose the framework of the positive and the pure. Don't give your mind to the cynicism and the criticism of this culture. Number two, live in your purpose. Get back up. You've got a pulse. You still got air in your lungs. If you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. Don't let adversity knock you off course. Don't let the enemy's lies, let God's truth invade your soul. Three, maintain perspective. We are to live as believers with a heavenly perspective. And number four, stand in Christ's power. Paul gives us one more way to respond to adversity. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Paul said, don't be scared. Don't be scared of your adversaries. Those that want to destroy and Eliminate, subtract, and divide. Don't, don't, be, don't be scared of your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation that it's from God. In other words, don't react to your adversary. Respond in faith. God is with me. God is for me. Watch this. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. 
having the same conflict which you saw in me and now you hear in me. This may shock you, particularly in today's self-reliant culture, but divine strength comes through an acknowledgement of human weakness. What happens to people, particularly those of you that have a, what would be considered a type A personality or real strong self-determinative will, what happens is, is that you, you think that life, that you kind of almost like you got a machete and you're going through the, the sugar cane. I know that doesn't apply to other locations, but it does to here in Louisiana. It's almost like you think, if I can just cut my way through it, can I tell you something? Divine strength doesn't begin to flow in your soul until you acknowledge human limitations. Human limitation is not an end. It's a pathway and an entry port into the fullness of God. And God has a way. God has a way of allowing every one of us to come to the end of ourselves. When, when, when we have to disconnect from self-reliance and we have to connect with God-reliance. And when we do that, Pastor, how, does, how did Paul... How, how was Paul, watch this. By the way, Jesus wasn't the only one whipped in the Bible. So was the apostle Paul. Paul was left for dead, stoned, shipwrecked, a night and a day in the deep. And he kept getting back up. Why is it? Because he was not functioning in life according to human bravado. But the power of Almighty God. There was a power in his life. What God wants to, and by the way, this is not just particular to Paul's life. God wants to fill you with that power. What challenge are you dealing with right now that's bigger than you? Good news. It's an opportunity. Everyone say opportunity. It's an opportunity to disconnect from self-reliance and connect with God-reliance. And there's a flow of power that comes into your life. There's a sustaining power. I have been amazed at times in my life. I'm like, okay. I should be freaking out right now. But there's like a supernatural power. And by the way, I'm not that good. Many, many, Pastor Doug's way holier than me. He sins once a year. I'm like multiple violations. So I don't hold myself up as a, no, but I'm going to tell you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 can be true for every single one of us. And he said to me, Jesus, he said, my grace, this is Paul, my grace, everyone say, God's grace. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul asked more than once, more than once, he had something, he's like, he went through persecution, he went, could it be, could it be, could it be, could it be that God is allowing weights to be put on the bar in your life, watch this, not to destroy you, but to build your faith muscles. Because he sees in you what you don't see in yourself. He sees his power in you. And the only limitation is your perspective. Do you see it? Here it is. Do you see that adversity is an obstacle? Oh, me. Or do you see it as an opportunity? Oh, my. God is going to break out through my life. I'm going to grow. I'm going to get stronger in God. And I'm going to see the fulfillment of God's promise in my life. Can I tell you something? You can't conjure that up in human flesh. God puts that there. Your job is to yield to him. Yeah. Those of you that are guests, I've said this statement for 24 years, and I'll say it. I'm not where I want to be in God, but I'm not where I used to be. 
The Christian life is a life of growth. God's allowing weight to be put on the bar, not to destroy you, but to build your faith muscles. Come on, y'all receive that word today? Y'all receive that? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. All of our locations, I've got one minute left. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Christ. The Bible says this, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church, the king can't save you. I tell you, you can. His name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Christ to wash me. I want to surrender my heart to Christ. If that's you, the count of three, just lift your hand up high. One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. God bless you right there. God bless you and you as well. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you right there. God bless you up top as well. God bless you right there. God bless you, ma'am. Jesus loves you. He brought you here today. Thank you for coming today. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, son. Church, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? This is the most holy, important part of our service. If we can pray with those who are trusting Jesus as their Savior. They're saying, my trust is in the Lord. Let's pray with them. Can we do that? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this. Say, Jesus. I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this, say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Wow, what an amazing message, and we've just loved spending time with you at church this weekend. But I do want to take a second to talk to those of you who may be making a decision right now to commit your lives to Jesus. If that's you, I just want to say from my heart to yours, congratulations, and I personally believe that's the best decision that you could ever make. And here's the thing. You don't have to do this journey of following Jesus on your own. In fact, as a church, we really believe that the best way to do this thing called following Jesus is with other people. And we would love to just connect you with some people and some resources that can help you as you're beginning to walk out this new life of following Jesus. So if that's you, why don't you take a second right now and follow the instructions that are going to be on the screen. Or if you're watching it live, you can actually click the link in the chat room or you can engage with one of our hosts. They'd love to talk to you and pray with you and really share with you about what it means to follow Jesus. So again, congratulations. We're so excited for you. We can't wait to see what God's going to continue to do in your life as you begin following Jesus for the rest of your life. And with that, we're wrapping up our time together, but we've loved having you with us at church. This is going to be an amazing series, and we're just getting started. So come back next weekend. Join us for church. We'll see you here same time, same place. We love you guys so much. Have a great week.